Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Blessed Saints Day, to, uh, blessed All Saints Day to you all. Uh, many blessed years to the newly baptized Abraham, to his godparents, Frank and Monica, to Evan and Maddie, uh, his parents, and with the added blessing uh, last night of Evan being received into the, the catechumenate, we pray God's blessing on, uh, on you during this time of learning and spiritual preparation, and we look forward to you standing here uh, in God's good time as well. So, on behalf of the whole parish, I want to extend a hearty welcome to uh, all that are visiting, the family and friends. We're glad that you could be uh, here with us today on this special occasion. We certainly have a, a double blessing today. First, of uh, celebrating the, the new life of baby Abraham and of his entrance into the church. And second, of commemorating all the, all, all the saints through all the ages, uh, celebrating and remembering this rich legacy of faith in which we all participate, uh, our true family according to the Spirit. Words, of course, are not adequate for the joy we have in our hearts, and nor they are, are they adequate to explain the realities which the Church in Christ by the Spirit sets before us and invites us into those things that the Church calls the mysteries. Uh, a baptismal liturgy is a particularly special occasion for we as the church witness and participate in the core of the church's sacramental life, namely of baptism, chrismation, and holy communion. That process whereby a human is joined to the very life of Christ, becoming a, a participant in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and session of the Son of God, and is thereby renewed according to the image of God, who is Christ himself. Christ is the image of God, and experiences his or her own personal Pentecost with the seal and the gift of the Holy Spirit, empowering him to live the Christian life to the glory of God, and finally receives into himself the body and blood of Christ mystically and ineffably in Holy Communion, uh, whereby the believer is made one flesh with Christ and with Christ's mystical body, the Church, both on earth and in heaven. This service is a proclamation of the Gospel, uh, both to ourselves and to the world. Uh, you can be a new creature. You can be part of a new brotherhood, a new family. Uh, you can know and be in intimate fellowship with uh, your Creator. And this is God's desire infinitely more uh, than it is ours. Do we stand in awe of God's grace, God's utter condescension, His considerateness to us, for no other reason than God's endless love for His creation, for His image bearers? God makes a path for us into His very life through the one mediator, between God and man, uh, the man Christ Jesus. 
the one bridge, the one perfect meeting point between God and humanity, uh, because Christ alone is both God and man in perfect union without confusion, division, or separation. And yet, uh, how easy it is for these things to become maybe domesticated for us, uh, for us to become desensitized to what we believe is actually happening here. How hard it is maybe for us to go out of ourselves, to let our confession of these realities go down into our hearts and permeate us, shaping our experiences of these mysteries so that we can pray along with them and contemplate their truth. Uh, Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, it's difficulty, but uh, as, we, as we pray that God would raise our minds from the heavy sleep of indolence, as we pray in our morning prayers, perhaps, uh, I'd like to invite us to reflect uh, anew, afresh, on what we believe our religion really is. Our religion is a religion of mysteries, or maybe in the more customary Western terminology of, of sacraments. I'll, I'll be more bold and even dare to say that Christianity is a mystery religion, uh, a religion that through the God-given rites and services in which God takes up and sanctifies created things as means of grace, we are brought into a new mode of existence, namely into union with Christ, whom St. Paul says in his letter to the Colossians is the mystery of God, as we mentioned earlier. So now the Greek word mysterion is directly related to uh, two Greek verbs. One is meo, which means to shut, to close, and the other is mieo, which means to initiate into the mysteries. The first word meo, to shut or to close, reminds us of the scandal of our faith, that its truth is closed off in some way from all of us, apart from God's gracious working and revealing. We might think of it in this way, uh, we confess that baby Abraham has been changed, has been brought into a new mode of existence, has died in and with Christ in the baptismal waters where Christ, where Christ really is present by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, and that he has been remade in Christ's image, that Abraham has been purified from the stain uh, and corruption of ancestral sin of Adam and Eve. It, I'm wondering though, is, is that what we saw? Did you see that happen? But where is the proof of this, right? From one vantage point, baby Abraham took a uh, brief and quite incomplete bath, right? And communion, in a few moments, will be but a little taste of bread and wine. Frankly, a ridiculous exercise for a one-year-old child, right? Uh, but for those with the eyes to see, this was and is Abraham's initiation into a new mode of existence, of direct communion with Christ, his creator and God. You see how the, the sacraments, the mysteries, are a direct con, uh, continuation of the incarnation, right? How many of those who walked with and saw Jesus in first century Palestine had any inclination who he really was? Jesus' deity was, was hidden in some way, and in and by the flesh, he assumed for our salvation. And the scandal of the incarnation was intensified by the scandal of the cross. Not only does God become flesh, the world kills God. I offer Matthew 11 here. At the same time, Jesus said, 
I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So how does the reality of the mysteries move from being shut or closed to us to being opened? Uh, well, as we said, the word mystery is also directly related to the word yeo, uh, which means to be initiated, or to more, more loosely to learn the secret. St. Paul actually uses this, this verb once in his letter to the Philippians. He says, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think about these things. The things which you have learned, received, heard, and saw in me, do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your thought for me, in which you did, not, in which you indeed, did indeed take thought, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect to lack, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content in it. I know how to be humbled, and I know also how to abound. In everything and in all things, I have learned the secret, both to be filled and to be hungry, both to abound and to be in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or who is working in me, his, his power. So more literally that I have learned the secret, we, maybe we could say I have been initiated into the reality into the secret uh, in everything and in all things. And what is the secret? Christ in him. In Paul, empowering him, operating in him, St. Paul's life is taken up into the mystery of Christ himself such that Paul's very existence becomes a continuation of Christ's suffering, his redemptive love in and for the world and in and for the church. Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved, uh, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is why Paul can say, can dare to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11. St. Paul with all the, uh, all the other holy apostles, the holy martyrs and saints, are our mystagogues, our initiators into the mysteries. They, through their whole pattern of life, their self-sacrifice, their commitment, lead and guide us into the mystery of Christ's life and death. Now, we would, we would be remiss, I would be remiss, if, if we failed to note how radically different, how radically inverted this, the character of Christianity as a mystery religion is. So, at the time of the apostles, there were many mystery religions, right? Um, at the time of the, you know, in the early church. Christianity as a mystery religion is the exact opposite of joining a select group, a kind of spiritual elite, who were initiates into some sort of, sort of secret higher realm of a so-called knowledge that was to enable them to escape either the material world or simply the humdrum daily life, uh, and perhaps to look down and sneer at the unwashed masses whose lives seem so pitiful. No, uh, the Christianity, of course, is the opposite of that. Now, the gospel reading today does promise uh, glory, honor, 
privilege to those who follow Christ. Uh, Christ promises that we will co-reign with him, judging the world with him. But the path to that glory, honor, and privilege is the path of the old covenant saints and martyrs mentioned in the reading from Hebrews, of suffering and persecution, of ascetic, austere, perhaps, ways of life, the path of taking up the cross, the path of renouncing earthly ties, even of family and kin, uh, for a total commitment to Christ and his kingdom. This is what baby Abraham and all who have been baptized into Christ have been initiated into, uh, Christ's own pattern of life, of humble self-giving to the point of death and to being raised unto newness of life uh, to share in God's glory. This new mode of existence changes the nature of our relationship to all things. How so? Well, just to bring another uh, voice to bear here, this is uh, the epistle to St. Diognetus, a mid-second century writing that's part of the collection of the, the Apostolic Fathers, and a very profound uh, discussion of how the Christian, the church, relates to the world. He says, but as for the mystery of the Christian's own religion, do not expect to be able to learn this from man. For Christians are not distinguished from the rest of humanity by country, language, or custom. For nowhere do they live in cities of their own, nor do they speak some unusual dialect, nor do they practice an eccentric lifestyle. This teaching of theirs has not been discovered by the thought and reflection of ingenious men, nor do they promote any human doctrine, as some do. But while they live in both Greek and barbarian cities, as each one's lot was cast, and follow the local customs and dress and food and other aspects of life, at the same time they demonstrate the remarkable and admittedly unusual character of their own citizenship. They live in their own countries, but only as aliens. They participate in everything as citizens and endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign country is their fatherland, and every fatherland is, their, is foreign. They marry like everyone else and have children, but they, they do not expose their offspring. They share their food, but not their wives. They are in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the established laws. Indeed, in their private lives, they transcend the laws. They love everyone, and by everyone they are persecuted. They are unknown, yet they are condemned. They are put to death, yet they are brought to life. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They are indeed in need of everything, yet they abound in everything. They are dishonored, yet they are glorified in their dishonor. They are slandered, yet they are vindicated. They are cursed, yet they bless. They are insulted, yet they offer respect. When they do good, they are punished as evildoers. When they are punished, they rejoice as though brought to life. By the Jews, they are assaulted as foreigners, and by the Greeks, they are persecuted. Yet those who hate them are unable to give a reason for their hostility. In a word, what the soul is to the body, Christians are to the world. The soul is dispersed through all the members of the body and Christians throughout the cities of the world. The soul dwells in the body but is not of the body. Likewise, Christians dwell in the world but are not of the world. The soul which is invisible is confined in the body which is visible in the in the same way, Christians are recognized as being in the world, and yet their religion remains invisible. The flesh hates the soul and wages war against it, even though it has suffered no wrong, because it is hindered from indulging in its pleasures. 
so also the world hates the Christians, even though it has suffered no wrong because they set themselves against its pleasures. The soul loves the flesh that hates it and its members, and Christians love those who hate them. The soul is enclosed in the body, but it holds the body together. And though Christians are detained in the world as if in a prison, they in fact hold the world together. The soul which is immortal lives in a mortal dwelling. Similarly, Christians live as strangers amidst perishable things while waiting for the imperishable in heaven. The soul, when poorly treated with respect to food and drink, becomes all the better. And so Christians, when punished daily, increase more and more. Such is the important position to which God has appointed them and is not right for them to decline it. Are we taking up our calling to live as the soul of the world? Let us live as the soul of the world. Let us go forth as the soul of the world for the life of the world. May this be true of us. For the sake of the Lord and our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory together with his unoriginate Father and all Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. <laughs>